I believe in the growth of the game of golf. Uh, I've largely spoken about how Sevi improved the game of golf in Spain and I've always said how I would like to do the same thing over there. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Bunkered Golf Podcast in association with Callaway Golf with your boy, Bryce. I'm on hosting duties. I think this may be the second time in 170 episodes where I've been given what you would call the lead mic. Um, so here goes. Listen, last time I did it, I smashed it. So whatever. It's like that month in, when politicians get like a whole month off and they just piss about and don't really do anything. So that kind of shows how highly Michael regards me at this time of year where he says, you know what, no one's going to listen anyway, you might as well do the <laughs> podcast. So there we go. That was Michael laughing in the background at one of my many poor jokes, which will be a feature of this episode. <laughs> Michael, welcome to our podcast. <laughs> Thank you. How are we? You know what? I actually am full of the joys of life. I'm full of the festive cheer. I'm absolutely 100% all in on Christmas. Whatever lurgy it was that I had at the start of the week, which floored me. Sorry for being off, by the way. That, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's not like me, yeah, I, I have worry. to say. End of your planning and you're lying in your piss bed. No problem. <laughs> Trust me, you wouldn't have wanted me around. Whatever that lurgy was, I'm over it. And now I'm all in on Christmas. We've got... A Polar Express experience at the weekend. We've got a present exchange with the in-laws and that side of the family. Also at the weekend, we've got the panto last weekend. Mince pies are being made. Christmas movies are on all the time. I am ding-dong merrily on high. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm all for Christmas. Alex, are you in the same sort of (laughs) ding-dong cycle calls it merrily and high streak of excitement as Michael is oh I'm high I'm high boy um I am absolutely buzzing for Christmas because as we've made very clear Christmas is really good until you're a teenager and then it's just sort of a bit shit isn't it and then you have kids (laughs) and it becomes good again I've got my son fully into all the things I loved as a kid so Super Mario Teenage Ninja Turtles I'm basically spending this Christmas break reliving my youth in sort of a retro form I guess which is quite nice why not the only thing about this year is that Christmas is on a Monday yeah Yeah, that's 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 not the best that's just the worst day for the best day yeah that is it is I'm wondering how that's going to impact the football fixtures. It's funny, that's my first thought is, does that mean it'll be a normal fixture card on Saturday? But <laughs> then again, you've got Boxing Day on a Tuesday. There's Shaft. games on a Tuesday. There's games on the Tuesday, Boxing Day games. I'm all about the Thursday night football, Bryce, as we know. As we know. <laughs> so, listen, let's not bother with that. You know, <laughs> it was a huge, I don't know how English teams did in Europe this week, but... Not great. as well as the Scottish not teams. Not as well as the Scots. Hey! Eh? Three games, three wins. Three huge games. How's about that for your coefficient? Yeah, exactly. Easy to do it when you're already out, though, isn't it? Anyone Uh, can win when you're already eliminated. I'll have you know, finish top. Can I ask a question? Uh, I know I'm I'm not the host or whatnot. This is actually very No, you can't. So, part one. (laughs) No. Where, Where do we stand on Christmas movies? Because... I have been watching rather a lot recently, and I may have a new favourite. Oh, you know what? What was your favourite before? My favourite before was the Polar Express, and it probably uh, still is. To be to be fair, that's quite. I, I like Christmas movies that give you a Christmas feeling, 
Bingo. And a lot of the big ones don't. Like Home Alone doesn't give me a Christmas feeling. It's just green and red. Yeah. It's set at Christmas. But, but have, see on your skybox, have you scrolled down past cinema? And you know those channels that are like the shite film channels? <laughs> yes. <laughs> have you gone to the ones that have all the... 317 onwards. Yeah, the, yeah. the really crap Christmas films. There was one the other day and it was a very... It was a merry Scottish Christmas, I'm sure it was called. <laughs> Oh my God. And it was like, <laughs> it, it was hilarious. Every guy in it had tartan, of a tartan shirt on. They were in a whiskey distillery. Because where else would you be? Uh-huh. Somebody's, ma- what is it with Christmas TV films where someone's marriage is either falling apart or they're about to get married or someone's died? Yes. And it's all tugging at the old heartstrings. It's like, oh. There's always a widower, isn't there? Uh huh. Who's like, like the main, he's a smouldering, yeah. kind of hunky looking uh-huh. guy. And it's I been such that. a hard time of year for me. Oh my God, if only Mary would really understand where my journey's going. But it's been tougher <laughs> for Molly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah she so needs I watched, a new mom. So I watched that and uh, yeah, it was crap. Yeah. So the, the, Channel 5 is quite good for that on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. It's quite wildly entertaining. You get some terrible Hallmark Christmas movies. Yeah, they're them, just they? awful. But I'm actually, the, the when you go into Netflix and Amazon Prime, there's not a huge amount of really good Christmas films. I'm going to be honest. It's a bit, it's a yeah. bit poor. It's a bit like sport. It's fragmented now as well. So you get all the good ones are split across Amazon and Apple Sky. Why are we talking about? Oh, it's Christmas. That's why. Yeah. So, talking of fragmented, let's Way! go into part one. Oh, See, that's how you do the That's how it's done. That's how it's done. So, we go straight into uh, what we're going to talk about this week, which is nothing because, as usual, is the case every week this year. Not much has happened in golf. Mm-hmm. It's been a kind of a slow one, especially at the end of the year. I'm actually trying to think about what we. Oh yeah, John Ram. Yeah. Oh so, yeah. So, uh, John Ram has well. John Ram has left the PGA Tour, or been kicked off the PGA Tour, I should say, and joined Greg Norman's fronted Live Golf League with a rumoured 450 million smackaroonies, as they would say in Glasgow. $550 million, whatever you want to say. That's money. Sorry, are smack- is smackaroonies, is that the, is that the, the currency, currency of, of, Glasgow. of Glasgow? Currency of Glasgow. So regions. is that the penny equivalent or the pound equivalent? I think it's a pound equivalent. So it's the penny equivalent? Uh, I'm not sure. Like a hundred watts makes one smackaroonie? I don't know. Ask Kevin Bridges. He's the one that came up with it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And we have to say that or so, we we'll get sued. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, Kev. £450 million. Pounds. What I would think you do with that? pockets all that money this year, he is the richest sportsman walking earth right now. And he's a golfer. What do we make of it, Michael? Ooh, lots. First things first, not surprised. I mean, this has been rumoured for the best part of a month now. I mean, actually, John Ram's been linked with Liv for months and months and months, pretty much since Liv started. But it's only ever been just that. His name sort of flung around by, we all know the accounts that pick a name and go, oh, he's going to be linked with my sources. You don't have sources, mate. You don't have friends. You're lucky to have a password and a hard drive (laughs) that hasn't been microwaved yet. So pick the names you want all you want. But about a month ago, things started to change and... As a journalist, I spoke to actual sources, people I know who I, I trust, and they told me yeah, that this time, yeah, it's different, that he is actually having conversations with them. They're quite well advanced. And I think when I sat down and the three of us discussed that, we kind of all looked at each other and went, holy shit, if John Ram goes to live, that is quite a significant game changer. But yeah. deep down, I, 
I still think even then, and this is the end of November, I think even then, I don't know about you two, well, I think I know about you two, but I certainly didn't think he would go. I, I didn't I, think he would go. I thought it was a leverage move, to be yeah. honest. You know, try and expedite mm. some of the change and maybe force through some of the things that he wants. Because bear in yeah. mind, he's not been hugely happy about being sidelined in favour of Rory, for example. Yeah. That's quite well known now. But even then, it's... it's <laughs> Leverage, yeah, it made sense. Actually jumping ship and going, I'm I'm stunned we're at this point. Yeah, and I think we were stunned, Alex. Um, obviously, I think John was being hugely disrespectful to the Bunker team because he announced it <laughs> on our Christmas night out, the bastard. <laughs> he didn't just announce it, he did it in that god-awful jacket and hat and those poses. I don't know about you, but I just sort of felt like he's a, he's above that in a strange way. Like, I, I felt incredibly disappointed when I saw him doing all that. Like, okay, come out, say that you've joined, shake Greg Norman's hand, do what you got to do. But then I, I thought that perhaps was just a bit too... So that's a Letterman is, is, jacket, is garish the right word? That is a Letterman jacket, yeah. Did not know that Without, until people said that's a Letterman jacket. They're big I mean, in the States, aren't they? Like, so yeah, now, I've now high heard school my favourite country singers singing about Letterman jackets and now I know what it is. There you go. So you go. it's been a good thing then, John Ram, going to live. Yeah, this I've, I've been introduced to some American culture via a very weird <laughs> segue. <laughs> introduced to American culture via a Saudi-fronted enterprise. I mean, if that's not a, a 2023... <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. If that's not a 2023 summary, I don't know what is. So how did, when you first... I think I was... I'll share my feelings in a minute. But Alex, when it actually landed on your account in your email and it said he has gone to live golf, what were your immediate reactions well i mean i was uh i was a few scoops in i was balls deep in a chicken tikka masala at mother india so um i was enjoying myself but uh, i'm the i'm the same i uh, surprised disappointed but it's one of those things where it's not you know when when your mum used to say i'm not i'm not angry i'm just very disappointed and that was somehow worse it feels a bit like that and uh, i sort of respect the hustle look the pga tour has made this okay with their dealings with Piff and, and the apparent merger that we still don't know what's going on with that. So John Rahm has gone, well, I might as well go and get my payday. I might as well go and get my 450 mil from Liv because if they if they do strike this merger and they do strike a deal, I'm going to be back on the PGA Tour in the next couple of years. So I'll just go and play Liv. And the, he's in the majors for the next five years, as we all know. So I'll go and play Liv and majors for one, maybe two years. And then I'll be back on the PGA Tour anyway. So in a way, sort of respect the hustle. Uh, the other side of me is just like you've already got more than enough money than you can ever spend. So why, why, dis why tarnish your legacy? Why destroy your legacy for it? So good point, Michael's smiling because on our Christmas night, I, and I'll be honest, I wish we had just recorded that. Yes. Now there's some of it. We glad could, we didn't. But I'm glad we didn't <laughs> because some of it was a bit. We we're getting a bit passionate, but we had discussions about whether you need that money or not. And we've had that discussion before, yeah. but you know what? Let's touch on it again. <laughs> £450 million, right? He's already got £70 million in the bank. He's going to finish his career. Let's be honest, if John Ram carries on the way he is, he's going to finish his career with nearly £400 million anyway, not including endorsements. Victor Hovland pushed £30 million this year, didn't win a major. The rumours are that when you win a major championship, it's worth around £10 million to you in terms of endorsements and bonuses and all the sort of side kick-ons that you get as a major champion. Does he need the money? Does he need it? Yeah. No. So why do it? Because I think we're asking the wrong question. It's not about does he need the money and how much money is enough. The question I think we have to ask is, are you capable 
of saying no when somebody says, here's another 450 million. Because think about that. You have to actually walk away from $450 million. And for me, whilst I don't like the decision that he's made, because it is, I, I disagree completely with what he's saying about this is an opportunity to grow the game. That has been proven to be a complete white elephant. Liv hasn't grown the game one single bit since it started, as far as I'm concerned. Yes, they'll pull out charts and graphs, I'm sure, and, and nice PowerPoint presentations to prove me wrong. I know they've done a lot for charity, and that's great, and blah, blah, blah. Game ain't growing. So for all that John Ram wants to contend that he has other reasons and blah, 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 the truth is this was a money move. And when it boils down to that, somebody wafted a check under his nose and said, can you say no to that? And by the way, I don't think that was the first check. I think they got to his number eventually. He was probably offered 300, then 350, then 400, then 450. And eventually it just became too much. He's like, I can't say no to that. We're not talking about... But how about... do you say no to 300? How do you say no to 300? Well, this is the thing. <laughs> he's, what, if, he's, if he's willing to walk away from 300 million, why is he not willing to walk away from 400 because, million? Because, uh, because, because essentially in the context... Everybody yeah, has a number. Of, but this, it's such a ludicrous amount of money that in the context of what we're talking about, that's just, a, whether it's 300 or 400, that's enough money for you to never have to do anything ever again for, for generations of your family. Yeah, so if he's turned it. down it's 300, money, why, isn't it? why is he waiting for 400? It just but that's doesn't family, tree money, family tree money is 10 million. If you've got 10 million pounds and you've got, if you're already living in a $10 million house, which I believe he does, yeah. I think Ricky lives in a $14 million yeah. house, which I think is Rory's former house, is it not? Something like that. If you get $10 million, you are set up, you've got generational wealth, you've three mm. or four generations yeah. that are never going to have any problem. So that's the issue. He doesn't, financially, he does not need it. But I do take your point, and I'm, I totally disagree with you in the same... <laughs> But I do I, take it. For what it's worth, I think, I, think we're, I think we're actually on the same page. We don't like what he's done, but I can see why he's done it as much as I don't like why he's done it. To answer your point, Alex, well, why not 300? He'll have had a number in his head when he started negotiations. Rightly, wrongly, based on a finger plucked out of the air and just, well, that's what I think I'm worth. Because he'll know exactly how much Phil Mickelson's got. They, the mm -hmm. pair are very close. They talk all the time. He will know what everybody on live has been given. And he will say, well, if they are worth that, I'm worth X. I wouldn't be surprised and I stand to be totally wrong, and we'll probably never know, but I wouldn't be surprised if John Ram started these negotiations going, I want 500 million, and he's yeah. settled at 450. So you say no to 300 because it's 200 million less than what you think you're worth, and you work your way in that negotiation, you end on a number. But it's, it doesn't, it doesn't, in no way am I disputing the fact that it's fucking ridiculous to walk away from 300 million and settle on, not that he necessarily has, but you know what I mean. It's it's ludicrous to think that he wouldn't, that he doesn't have enough and that, oh my God, well, there we are. That's 450. I'll just take that. Thanks very much. It's, I think I do. I do agree with your point because if you, again, I'm just going to hark back to the Christmas party again, because we did have a, this is the kind of insight into the shit chat that we have at these things. So we, we had asked, I had asked a couple of the younger lads in the team if they, if they had the choice between doing their uh, dream job for say like minimum wage basically or if they had to do the most mind-numbing shit job like you go to work <laughs> nine to five have your hour lunch you but you absolutely hate it it's literally just like data entry or something just mind-numbingly dull but it's like i don't know did we say like quarter of a million a year or something like that 
which one would you take? And it was quite telling that the older people in the group, so the three of us on this podcast and a couple of other guys, all said they would take the money because they got their families to think about. All the younger guys who are not long out of university said, well, I'm obviously going to do my dream job, aren't I? I'm going to go and travel the world and do all that stuff. So it's sort of a similar concept in that. Like, I don't think I could walk away. You are, you are absolutely right. I like to think I'm the kind of person that would turn it down and preserve my legacy if I'm in John Rahm's position. The reality is they would waft a $450 million check under my nose and I'd go. And and I do that thing like in cartoons where they start floating after the pie that's on the the windowsill. (laughs) Yeah, there's a whole... there's a whole discussion about it. We, we could probably talk for hours on this. And I, I mentioned that night to Ben, I think it was, and was trying to explain the, the not going to explain, not in a condescending way. I was trying to ex- get to understanding where John Ram's head would be. Mm. You know, he lives in a $14 million house. He's got $70 million in the bank. Next year, he'll probably forecast bringing in $25 million. The guy's not poor. He's not struggling. So he could easily go out next year and go and buy himself another, like, in Spain, he could go and buy himself some $8 million house in the hills and it's just phenomenal, full of tech, everything. What that live money allows him to do is not do that. He could go out and buy an island. <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. the difference. You know, and I said, there's a house, and I'll get the facts wrong, the thing that maybe the money's changed, but there's a house near Tiger, uh, not far from Jupiter, and it's I think it's called Versailles, and it was worth $80 million about 10 years ago, and it was... Struggled to get finished being built. It's just down the road from Celine Dion's house and Mark Tremonti, who's the guitarist in Creedon Alter Bridge. Very rich area, big, big money. And it couldn't get finished. Be- the reason it couldn't get finished because there actually wasn't anyone to really buy it. So it was an investment opportunity. It was owned by one of the richest guys in America. We couldn't sell it because no one had the money to buy it. Mm-hmm. Back then, John Ram could buy that house four times. <laughs> and that's the scary thing. That yeah. It is... 450 million is a frightening, it's a frightening number. Now, you think people win the lottery, it's 120. 450 million is a scary, scary number. And I do believe that we have this year, Liv, and last year, Liv has completely shaken up sport and what people believe. Mike, Alex just mentioned there about legacies and. I've mentioned this before, like going to win Arnold Palmer's event, you know, going to Jack's event, Memorial, these historic events. Actually, some players are not that fussed. I've spoken to some DP World Tour players close to home have no interest in going to America. The ambition's not there because they've got a cushy life here. And they're motivated by different things. Motivated by different things. Motivated by the fact that they do have a nice flat, they do have a really nice house and they drive a very fancy car. Don't want to shake that up because there's a stream in Europe that they're quite happy with, very comfortable. They're not motivated by winning the Bay Hill. They're not. It's funny because we would criticise them potentially saying, why don't you want more? Uh-huh. But John Ram has demonstrated he does want more, just not of the yeah. thing we want them to have more uh-huh. of and we're criticising him for yeah. that. It's mm-hmm. it's a funny little paradox that's mm-hmm. going on. I mean, look, I, I know that you're angry about the John Ram move. I, I know you're gutted about the John Ram move. I'm I'm certainly in the same place because whilst I'd like to think that it will ultimately lead to a bit of peace and maybe force some change to happen, how could you possibly have a Ryder Cup without John Ram in a couple of yeah. years' time, for example? It may force negotiations in a way that, with respect, Ian Poulter isn't going to change negotiating. Yeah, John but Ram will. John Ram, yeah. I certainly hope will. But for the time being, whilst we don't have that resolution, it just feels a bit... It feels, honestly, I just feel exhausted with it. Yeah, I think golf has golf has changed this year. Whether it's changed for the better, 
I think we'll find out in a few years when it's all calmed down. Mm -hmm. But there was a difference of, I know Rory gets shit, but Rory sat in a press conference earlier this year and said, I like, I want to be world number one. I want to win a major championship. I want to win multiple times on the PGA Tour. I want to get to the Tour Championship and do all this. And I want my strokes gain to be here. And I want, you know, I think he wanted to talk about his accuracy off the tee. I want to do this. To me, that's golf. That's why we're all here. You want to hear the best players in the world talking about how they play golf and how they get better and what tournaments they want to win. What we've been talking about since, it seems, June onwards is not that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the dangerous thing that we're... It's a dangerous road we're going down. So before we go on to the next topic, there was a discussion heavily that Tony Finau was coming. <laughs> There's rumours about Tyrrell Hatton coming, a few more. And I noticed like in the last couple of days, people are saying that potentially they are not agreeing to join Liv because they want to keep their world ranking status and they're going to do it at the last minute. So this higher they can get up the world rankings, keep them in the top 50, wherever they need to be. Interesting theory. Is it is it correct? Uh, it's, it's a very smart theory, if that's the case, and it's plausible because there's no live event until February. So why jump ship now and wipe out the entire month of January when there's big events happening? Farmers Insurance, the American Express, Century, Sony Open. You're basically saying goodbye to all those events because John Ram has already been banned by the PGA Tour. They've come out and said, like every other one of our members that's joined Live, he can no longer play in our events. doesn't matter. He hasn't hit a ball on live yet, which is a change from when the, the tour was first announced in uh, summer of 2022. They're like, oh, don't care he's not played. He's pledged fealty or whatever to them. So yeah, he's now banned. It stands to reason that some guys who are thinking about going to live may be spooked by that and they're going, yeah, we don't really want that. Because bear in mind, John Ram has all, I was going to say all the aces. He has all the four aces. He doesn't. He's going to lose the team. No. <laughs> but he's... He's in, a, he's in such a strong position, John Ram, in all the majors for at least the next five years. Doesn't matter to him if he doesn't. He's world number three. His ranking's not going to tumble that much in a month. Other players aren't the same. And some of the guys who have been linked with moves aren't in major championships. They aren't guaranteed, etc. Yeah. So I get why they might be spooked and want to wait. The thing about the names that have been linked, I can only go by the stuff that I've been told by the people who've fed me information in the past, like the stuff about Ram and these same sources were right about Brooks Kepka, they were right about Cam Smith. I trust them and I wouldn't put my name to something that they've told me unless I was certain. They're not as they're not giving me the same vibes about the likes of Tyrrell Hatton, for example, as is being made out in social media. There's a lot of people saying, oh, he's about to go and I'm not hearing that. Yeah. Tommy Fleetwood's another one that's been thrown about on social media, but it's just, it's too easy to do it now. Like, Alex, pick pick a name, pick someone that's going to join Live. Who do you reckon? <laughs> oh, God, I fucking know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. This is the thing we had that story came out the other day, and, and Greg Norman saying, oh, John Rahm's been inundated with names of people who want to join his team. Yeah, well, that could just be me or you. <laughs> Like it doesn't. It doesn't mean it's Tommy Fleetwood or Tyrrell Hatton. But look, you're absolutely right. The, the the players who haven't got major victories yet, so the Hattons, the Finals, and the Fleetwoods of the world, they've got a lot to lose. Which is, as we've already said, world ranking points and major championship status. So why would they do it? They've 
they've got more hanging on it. So they're probably going to wait. I mean, if it was me, if I'm Tommy Fleetwood and I'm thinking, yeah, do you know what? If they're, they're offering me a hundred mil, thinking about it, don't want to get knocked out of the majors though. So maybe I'll just hang on and see if this mm. deal happens. I mean, we keep talking about this deal, this merger, which apparently has got a deadline of, is it the end of this month, the, the merger deadline? So yeah. maybe they're just sitting back and thinking, well, let's wait till let's wait till January, see if it goes through. And then if, if the deal does go through and it turns out that actually from 2025, Piff and PGA Tour are going to be in bed together, then all right, well, I'll go and play a, a year of live and, and earn a, a shed load of money and, and I'll do it that way because they're all in the majors next year. So they know that because of their world ranking. So that, I mean, that's the really tough choice. You're talking about whether you would take 300 million or 400 million or whatever, if it was wafted in front of you, that's, a, that's another thing, isn't it? Like, would you eliminate your chances of playing in the major championships if you're someone in their prime, like Finau, Hutton and Fleetwood, or would you give it all up for a bit of extra cash? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the rumours are that uh, Jay Monaghan and Yasser are having a coffee right now. At this very second. At this very second. They're chatting. So what do you think Jay takes in his coffee? <laughs> <laughs> the funniest thing, the absolute... right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. He's on the strongest stuff for sure. It's five o'clock somewhere, as they say. The funniest thing that Monaghan and the governing bodies can do is, do you remember when all this came out and there was that huge document, like thousands of pages, and we were all trawling through it, trying to find out some you know, juicy gossip or juicy details. And there was one little thing in there that said Yasser wants, as part of the deal, a membership of the RNA and a membership of Augusta. So the funniest thing that the PGA Tour and the governing bodies could do is say, all right, we'll give you that membership, those two memberships that you clearly desperately crave, but you've got a fold live right now. <laughs> Imagine uh, that would just be such a power, like yeah. massive, proper big dick energy, isn't it? Like, yeah. I love that. I mean, I, so I, I want a membership at Augusta. What is? It's hilarious, isn't it? What is that all about? I mean, don't put, see it, think it, don't put it in a document yeah. for God's sake. <laughs> These things a, leak on the internet. Have that as a footnote on your notes on your phone when you're leaving the <laughs> yeah, meeting. Exactly. Walking out the room. Productive day, guys. That was really, really good. I think we've made a lot of, a lot of big However, progress. One more thing. <laughs> yeah. I just can't imagine Yasser turning up for the captain's... What did they call that at, at uh, the RNA when they... Captain, oh, the captain's driving. Captain's driving. And then there's there's Yasser standing on the side waiting for his turn. Oh, <laughs> he can't be because he's not part of the RAF. He's not in the RAF or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, actually. You have to have been some sort of amazing <laughs> pilot or like head of IBM to get into that RNA job. I don't know. What's, what's your background? Uh worked in Greg's. Nope. Next. <laughs> you. I was a banker for 30 years. You'll do. You'll do. You're in. So there we are. We've covered Liv. That's that sorted. Fino, I, by the way, just to add, I'm reliably informed they just didn't hit his number. So all this, oh, well, you know, I've, I've decided this is where it's at and I'm going nowhere. 85 million they, gave, they were going to give him, but Apparently. I partly wanted 100. Seemingly. I mean, I would have just, what's 15 million to Yasser? That, honestly, 15 million to Yasser is like me going to the pub and pulling out my wallet and accidentally dropping 20 quid. <laughs> and someone says, you've dropped 20 quid there. And I just go, ah, you know what, mate? 
just keep it. It's the big football club energy now, isn't it? Yeah. It's like everyone knows and has known Man City's got money. So a guy that's worth five million in real terms, clubs are saying, no, give us 50. So that's, I think, where we're at in terms yeah. of negotiating and the bargaining. If that is true and they turn down fee now over the space of 15 million, I actually quite admire that because it shows that at least they're prepared to stop somewhere. <laughs> but Tony's got to go back to the wife and she'll say, how did it go? And he went, well... <laughs> Yeah, I played hard. Did you call her bluff? Well. I did. Yeah, how did it go? Well, we're going to Scottsdale next year. So. But we've got a full episode in Full Spring Season <laughs> 10. <laughs> so that's that. Next point on the 170th edition of the Bunker Podcast, supported by our good friends Callaway Golf, is a kind of expected section. You know, when people run out of ideas and they do things like a review of the year. <laughs> like every podcast <laughs> well, right Every now. podcast is doing a review of the year and people have like, and we slag that off. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> this is awkward. This is awkward. So we've got a review of the year. Let's look at some of the, the stuff that happened that we think is worthy of discussion again. And it's not like, what's the best shot? <laughs> I haven't actually read the notes. Is the best shot on this? No, I hope it's not. Alex, take it out. Good. No. So... Our first award is for the funniest moment of the year. And the nominees are... Oh, we needed a jingle, didn't we? The one time we oh, needed to prepare jingle. a jingle. You know, I did think about bringing my guitar in, but then I was like, you know what, I could be like... And the nominees are for the funniest moment of the year. But I didn't. So, how are we doing this again? Are you guys going to run through the nominees or am I mentioning it? Alex, I'll just hand over Alex, to you Alex. explain. This was your idea, Alex. I'm taking nothing to do with this. No, so we've got the awards. I think we've got eight or nine. Michael and I are both going to nominate something for the award, and then we'll talk about them for probably 15 seconds, because otherwise people will start okay. switching off, and then Bryce will decide who wins the award. Okay, so, so there's two nominees in this category. Ryder Cup Songs is the first one. Alex, why should this win the funniest moment of the year? Because... I was stood on that back of that first grandstand when they started singing We Saw You Cry on the Telly <laughs> at Scotty Scheffler. And it was the whole grand... What, what was it? Four and a half thousand people in yeah. that grandstand? Just erupted. It was hilarious. There was another one where they were singing um, He's In Your Head, Rory, 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 to the tune of Zombie by the Cranberries, which was hilarious. Good tune, by the and, of, and of course, uh, Cantley, Cantley Wears Your Hat, which was... <laughs> And then, of course, the uh, the waving of the hats as well. There's nobody does that kind of banter like British people. We are the absolute yeah. best in the world at that kind of banter, and it was just marvellous. And to to actually be there and be a part of it, it, it was just something I will treasure forever. Just top quality. Yeah, I do you have everything. to think if there's a saddest moment of the year in this category, that is Scotty Scheffler crying. That broke my heart. Did it really? Yeah, that was really tough. I really like Scotty Scheffler. Mm -hmm. He is top class from top to bottom. Love the guy. Seeing him, literally, I know I'm laughing, but I'm not. The guy was in tears. Yeah. He's world number one, was brutally pumped in front of the entire world, played some of the worst golf of that week in that spell and was crying his eyes out. That was brutal. Yeah, I think we can put to bed the idea that Americans don't care about the Ryder Cup because Some of he them. demonstrated right yeah. there and then actually he cares rather a lot. That was horrendous. Yeah, it was a tough one. Topped off by Alex's funniest moment, so that's a nice... Uh, <laughs> the uh, next nominee in this hilarious category is Adam Hadwin's wrestling match. at the. That was at the Canadian Open, wasn't it? Canadian, yeah. It was, yeah. Go for it. So, Adam Hadwin... 
ran onto the green on the, the 18 to celebrate his fellow countryman Nick Taylor winning the Canadian Open. I think he was like the first Canadian to win their, their National Open for, what was it, 60, 70 years, something like that. Completely overshadowed by what I'm about to describe <laughs> was the fact that he holed a bomb, this 72-footer for Eagle, to, was it Tommy Fleetwood that he denied? It's always Tommy Fleetwood that's getting denied in the PGA Tour, unfortunately. And yet the place goes wild. Everyone rushes the green. Fans spell out. And this very overzealous security card took one look at, uh, <laughs> at Adam Hadwin. Obviously had no idea who he was. And absolutely drove him with a textbook... Body check. Textbook body check. Like, full-on body slammed. The Undertaker would be proud of it. Stuck his face right down into the green. Ended him. Flattened him right there. Gone. And I, had, I think the caddy for, for Nick Taylor got involved and a few other people got involved. Like, no, 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 no. Do you not know who he is? The security guard's still like, nope. No idea. He's got to go out. <laughs> <laughs> he was very apologetic for it afterwards, obviously. Canadian. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, it was absolutely superb. And not least with the fact that Adam Hadwin's wife, Jessica, who's very funny on social media, decided to make quite a big deal of it and has kept the joke going for rather a long time. So They dressed up as Halloween for as it, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, that's right, very, they did. Brilliant. Very funny. Absolutely brilliant. So, Bryce, the decision is Come on. yours. You get the final say in all matters, remember. So. Yeah, listen, there is there is a clear winner here. Never, I have never seen anything like that in golf with Adam Hadwin. And I don't think we'll ever see him for that again. And it's the fact that it happened to him. At the, there's something funny about it happened yeah. at the Canadian Open as well. And his wife being quite a good laugh on Twitter. And some people don't like it, but I think it's quite good. I don't think you can beat that. I, every time I watch it, I just think that is the, the worst thing and the most hilarious thing to happen at the same time. Considering it, that he won as well, it's just unreal. I think there's teams in like the, the Pro 14 and the Gallagher Premiership looking at that security guard going, sign him. Yeah. <laughs> it was a textbook. proper, proper smash. Oh, brilliant. So I well can't done. argue with that. I, I can't argue with that. It was genuinely like unbelievable. You know, when, you know, when you're watching something and you're, you're just going, I can't take my eyes off of this. This is just the <laughs> most know. astonishing thing I've seen. I know. No, you're correct. There's no arguing with it. Well deserved. Well done, Michael. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> sorry, I was a touch of arrogance as the host, but I'm the, uh, the host this week. It's so something about just, the seat, isn't it? Just get in line. Either take it seriously or just we're not going to do it at all. Yeah, okay. no, shut up and listen. So the second award on this um, really exciting review of the year is <laughs> Gate of the Year. It'll all become apparent in a minute. And the nominees are Hatgate at the Raider Cup, Michael. Yeah, we all know about that by now, don't we? Patrick Cantley not wanting to wear a hat, then I think lying about why he didn't want to wear a hat and not being completely upfront and honest about not wanting to wear a hat. Apparently he couldn't find a hat that fits, but he's had no difficulty when he's been paid to wear one by Goldman Sachs or let's say when he's representing the States in the President's Cup. Seems that when it comes to the Ryder Cup, he goes, I'm not getting paid, so I'm not wearing a hat. Just <laughs> piss off. So that created, obviously, all the drama that we had on Saturday, the, the fan interaction, and frankly, it created the defining moment of the year, which isn't a category, but we're giving it to Rory in the car park kerfuffle anyway. Had the hat gate thing not kicked off, we wouldn't have had that carry on. So in a roundabout way, Thank you, Patrick. There's a very good point. If it hadn't been for Pat and the hat, 
<laughs> when out of had had the scrap. So very good point. If it hadn't been for the pat and the hat, we wouldn't have had the scrap in the car park. I'm trying to think of something that rhymes with hat and pat. Twat. Twat, there you go. Yeah. No, I think we'll move on. <laughs> Second nominee in this hilarious category is the tea and tree gate at the Dubai Desert Classic. Alex. Well, when Michael and I were workshopping award ideas during the week, I was saying tree gate and he was saying tea gate and it didn't really click until late on Thursday afternoon. We're like, we're talking about different things here, but the same tournament, the same people involved. So Patrick Reed, how much do we miss Patrick Reed, by the way? Like we, we, we had this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, didn't we, where you made your case for Patrick Reed actually being a hero rather than a villain. And I miss the guy. I genuinely do. But there was an incident at the, I want to say the Dubai Desert Classic in February, which, by the way, I thought this was about three years ago. I was absolutely gobsmacked that this was in 2023 because so much has happened. But Rory McIlroy apparently snubbed him on the driving range. So Patrick Reed decided to flick a wooden tea peg at him. That'll show you, as everyone would when they're uh, in that situation. Both the players sort of just, uh, I think, did Rory call it a storm in a teacup, I believe, that well-known phrase. And then later on in the week, we had uh, Treegate, which was when Reed found himself embroiled in a, a bizarre rules incident during the final round. So he hit his tee shot on, I want to say, the 17th, and it lodged in a tree. And then there was this bizarre scenario where he was with the referee, the match referee, and a pair of binoculars, and he was somehow able to identify. If That's I'm remembering, right. if I remembering correctly, weren't we? We were all studying like the slow slow mm. motion footage of the ball going into the tree, but Reed and the referee were looking in a completely different tree. That's what because there was three trees, if I remember rightly, and the ball looked like it landed in the first tree. They were looking in the third tree, which was right next to the green, and therefore, if he was taking the drop, would have got the drop with you know, with, with no trees in his way, blocking his path to the green, basically. So that was the controversy. Patrick Reed can't keep himself out of these rules shenanigans, and it just kicked off the year in the perfect way. I mean, we obviously had no idea what was to come, the, the lunacy that was 2023, but yeah, come back, Patrick. We do miss you, mate. Listen, I, I've... I've said this before. I really like Patrick Reed. I think he's a hell of a player, and I like his, I like his get it up, your attitude. His moxie, I love it. His moxie, I can hang with that. But how the hell does he keep getting himself involved in all this shit? However, like, remember he took a drop a couple of years ago. He did an embedded ball situation in the semi rough. Oh, uh, the Tory Pines uh, took Tory a drop. Pines, yeah. Took a lot of heat for it. Rory did the same thing in the same week. Yeah, in the same, in the same week. Same, and same Rory, tournament. no one said anything. I think that's the, the fire that follows Patrick Reed every week as mm. we're waiting for something like that to happen and we all talk about it. But I don't know what it is. He just somehow gets himself into these... I think he's lost the right to the benefit of the doubt as well with the whole Bahamas thing. I mean, anybody yeah. can get involved in something once that can look bad and people can draw con conclusions about whether you're not cheating or what, what it is. I think once it's like, okay, well, that's, that's not a good look. When it becomes almost a habit... That's when people go, right, enough. So with Rory and the drop, for example, that may be Rory's one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If something happens again, people may go, uh -uh, no, we've been here before Rory. With yeah. Patrick Reed, it's, we've been here quite a few times before Patrick. But and it's, what it's fascinating. What are you suggesting? What do you mean? About who? About Patrick Reed. About Patrick Reed? 
just let's move on. Let's not forget this is not just his PGA Tour career as well. This is you know he was accused by not only opponents in college but his teammates at college. That's why he had to move colleges. So this is it's been going on his entire life. It's not it's not a new thing. If Patrick Reed gets involved in shenanigans and live, does anyone notice? I mean, this is the thing. It's, it's it's all meant to be on, you know, Depends YouTube. Rules broken in the woods. Shot. Depends if it's on the telly. Okay, clear winner for me. I'm sorry, but Cantley, Hatgate, that wins it for me. It was the biggest moment of the it year. It was the biggest moment it? of the year. And there's something about Cantley that I can't quite put my finger on. You know, he's got that sort of uber dweeby, sort of got lots of money, thinks he's quite cool, but goes on these really geeky wine trips with the chauffeurs. And I don't know, I just... He's not, there's something about Cantley, he's not very cool. He doesn't have much brand persona for the game. And he's leading, yeah. apparently, the PGA Tour's mm-hmm. change or working relationship with Piff. He's apparently at the head of that, so, yeah. He's an interesting character. Uh, if he'd Cant- said that he would be the heart of a massive controversy, <laughs> we would all be pissing ourselves laughing at the Ryder Cup and have not believed you, no. but here we are. Yeah, <laughs> so he is the winner. Hat Congratulations, eight. Pat. Well done, well done, Pat. You won something. You've won a hat. You've won a hat. Third award is for viral moment of the year. And up first is Alex, who has nominated the beer showers at Live Adelaide because golf is not just louder, it's wetter. <laughs> it's yeastier. Don't Live. blink because it will sting. God. Live Adelaide was the moment that Live Golf arrived, certainly in my consciousness anyway. I, I, I don't know about you guys, but you know, I've struggled to watch it I mean, literally in some cases because I just don't know where to find it half the time. But Live Adelaide for me was one of those things where I was waking. I love those tournaments on that side of the world because you wake up super early because your kids are bonking on your nose at god knows what time in the morning and you're like yeah all right i'm up fine let's go and watch golf oh there's some there's some live golf it's in australia they're throwing beers at each other this looks amazing wish i was there this is for me this is what live golf should all be about they they clearly don't want to take themselves seriously other than throwing loads of money around so they've got their 54 hole shotgun start why not add they might not next year (laughs) well yeah exactly (laughs) Because suddenly not just, we want to take it seriously. Why not just make the whole tour like the 16th at Scottsdale and just be done with it? And then I'd probably watch it a little bit more, to be honest with you. But no, those those scenes obviously went around social media with all the the beer going on. And uh, was there was there, there was an incident where who was it? Porter who was getting all the fans riled up, and then mm-hmm. they were throwing all their beers. And then he sort of went, "Oh shit, this was the bad idea." Then he had to sort of back off his shot a couple of times, telling people to calm down. Guys, stop throwing your shit lager at me. Uh, excuse me, trying to, <laughs> trying to hit a shot here. It's golf, all right? Oh, I know we're all here to have fun, but <laughs> let's, let's keep it sensible. <laughs> I thought it looked yeah. amazing. I, it genuinely, live, live Golf Adelaide was a seriously cool event. Yeah, Regardless awesome. of your feelings on yep. Live, they smashed it that week. The issue is that they don't have that every week. Mm. If they did, the PGA Tour would rightly be shitting itself <laughs> because its product would not be superior. It might be on a par. So Scottsdale, I love the concept of Scottsdale. And the same thing happened on the 16th with the uh, par three hole. Mm-hmm. People started throwing beer on and then they had to like get the fans like, stop doing that because it's ruining the green. <laughs> the green was, was, it, was it overly um, watered. Joel Damon and yeah, Harry Higgs, Harry Higgs. They, pulled their top, they pulled their tops off, didn't they? And then and they, they, got they, got, they got in trouble with the PGA Tour. Yeah, yeah. so... 
Yeah, it was a good moment. I think it'll be hard to to beat. Chase kept got a hole in one, by the way. Yeah, and that and that was, that was amazing. Yeah. Part, it wasn't. It was what, well, remember, yeah. remember, people thought that was fake. They'd faked that hole in one. What? Yeah, there was chat on social that they had faked that hole in one. <laughs> people were saying that wasn't real, what? and you're like, there's. Mate, there's people there. <laughs> <laughs> Literally watched it in the air with my own eyes. I know you hate where the money's coming from, but come on. Oh, super. Yeah, they're not. They'll get that much money. Maybe they do. And then, Michael, your nomination in this viral category is the bees at the Mexico <laughs> Open. This was really weird. So, Mexico Open at Vedanta. Never been. Looks good. And. I think it was Eric Van Rooyen was about to hit an approach shot and suddenly him, his caddy, their playing partners, the other caddies in the group, the the TV guy, the cameraman, the, everybody inside the ropes just went and hit the deck, like bellies to the ground. And everyone was going, well, what, what the hell is going on here? And they realised this massive swarm of bees had just appeared from nowhere and had just basically gone straight at them, like the attack of the killer bees went straight I mean, for you, you, the players. You can giggle at that, but that's very serious, <laughs> isn't it? Scary. You can die from that. I wouldn't fancy getting a big swarm of bees coming at me. Yeah, I think that what you meant to do, you meant to hit the deck or dive into water, Yes, so they were quite lucky because I think that hole that they were on, there was water to the right-hand side. I actually think a couple of people did jump in the water, didn't they? So, yeah, laughing at it now because everything was fine, but at the time, yeah, probably quite scary. But I have never seen anything like that on a golf course in my entire life. But see, if you think about it, we're saying, you know, wouldn't enjoy that. I think we're in Scotland, we've got midges. And when you go out and you walk into like a big swarm of midges at the height of summer, yeah. it is horrible. Yeah, they used to... Imagine that's bees. In the old days, I'm not saying like in the 50s. <laughs> I'm thinking like William Wallace time when we were all running about and like naked. They used to torture, that's how they killed villagers and tortured people. That's how they kept people in line. They used what? to take them up and pin them to a tree and cover them in all sorts of uh, like moisture, whatever it was, and leave them. For the flies? And the midges them. would literally drive that you wild. That is genius. Yeah, it's a great that... way. I mean, it's a great way to kill somebody, but it's a oh, horrible yeah. way to go. See, when Scotland gets its independence, and we will, that should be like yeah. the new justice minister's first port of call is to reinstate that kind yeah. of punishment. There's a video of a guy on YouTube in Scotland on the, he's somewhere in the west coast at like 10 o'clock at night and he takes he takes like his camera and sees if he can last a minute not touching his face oh no and the midges just swarm him and it, it gets to like 28 seconds in the video and you think surely he has to itch his face you, i mean they are all over him and you think how is he doing that it's horrific oh i'm feeling itchy just horrific no, no, I can't, alex I can't do you know what that. we mean when we say midgey yeah, of course. Yeah, we oh, have them as well. Yeah, brutal. Should add, by the way, Alex has done me dirty here because there was actually a third. Go for it. A third, which was you playing Augusta. No, we'll come to that. I'm sure. Uh, it was the week after the Masters, where hello again, Patrick. Mister Cantley had obviously taken his sweet time playing that final round, and then went to was it Harbour Town the following week or RBC Heritage? I think the week after. Is this the video of him? Yeah, so it takes okay, forever, but good, yeah. it was a video of someone <laughs> filming somebody holding a stopwatch on their phone right behind them, timing how long it took. And I think they got to like, was it two minutes 38? It took a long time. It yeah. was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. 
but no, it's not an official entry because it's not in the Word document. And then Do somebody that. somebody added about another minute and a half to that video. They looped it and did another minute and a half. Oh. And all the comments under that, people losing their mind. This is a disgrace. <laughs> Someone looped it. Yeah, brilliant. Genius. Genius. So I think I'm going to go. You know what? We've bashed Liv repeatedly on this pod, rightly or wrongly. So I'm going to give that one to Liv. 100%. I think they deserve that. Give them something to cheer. Well done, Greg. <laughs> Well done, Greg. Right. <laughs> Final award. <laughs> What's this? So I had, just so you know, I, the, the reason this podcast is going so well is because I'm winging it and I've got the talent to do that, but I haven't read any notes. So I've now seen this. The final award before we head to the break is the first sponsored award of the evening. Did I, it appears I've sponsored this. And it's the Bryce Ritchie Quake for the grumpiest <laughs> golfer. Yay! By the way, you owe us some sponsorship money. Right, okay. <laughs> and the nominees are... Keith Mitchell at the blower. Keith Mitchell at the blower or at the buzzer. He, it was the uh, the fifth hole at the Players Championship, and I, I I reacquainted myself with this video this morning, and I just I absolutely love it. So if you haven't seen it, just Google Keith Mitchell buzzer or whatever, and you'll find it pretty quickly. So he hits his drive on the fifth. He absolutely hates it. The tracer technology is showing the ball going off way right. He slams his driver or fairway wood into the <laughs> turf, which in itself makes an incredible noise. <laughs> and then he stands with his, you know, when they just stand and lean against their, their driver. So he does that. And then with all the perfect comedy timing of any of the finest sitcoms you've ever watched, the hooter goes to call the players in. And then Mitchell just goes off on a mad, mad rant about it honestly it I, people will be listening to this going what the fuck is Alex going on about but honestly go and watch the video incredibly funny incredibly worth it Keith Mitchell is my nomination for what event was that the players the players so it was superb Michael <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure this counts as grumpy but you I'm going to let you explain <laughs> Rory's Ryder Cup car park rant he did look kind of grumpy didn't he Rory, I mean, listen, we've all seen the footage. I'm not sure there's a human being on earth who hasn't seen this footage. My dad has seen this footage and he doesn't have Sky. He can barely turn on his iPad these days. Rory in the car park going absolutely tonto over that whole incident that we previously described with Patrick Cantley. So he is going mental in the direction of Jim Bones Mackay about Joe LaCava and the fingers getting pointed. The polo shirt that he's just been playing in is untucked. The wife's in there pulling him away. Shane Lowry appears from nowhere, getting involved like a bouncer. Rory's own personal bouncer, the ginger guy that you see following him everywhere. He gets involved trying to just calm things down. Matt Fitzpatrick and Victor Hovland walk out like, oh, what's going on here? Like they've just walked out of primary school and they've seen the big kids having this <laughs> massive scrap in the playground. Rory absolutely losing his shit. That's not fucking acceptable. He's out of order. Just the angriest I have ever seen Rory McIlroy and bear in mind we didn't see the incident that led to it but we've seen Rory rip his polo shirt before so yeah yeah so I'm gonna you've not convinced me because he's not grumpy he's angry so there's a technicality here that I'm gonna hang my hat on but I he's did, not the right seven dwarf is that yeah saying? I do like it I like the hustle I like what you're trying to do and I do remember telling my I was the only time I've ever told my father-in-law to shut it as I was trying to record that for you because <laughs> as right. that was happening, you and Alex were getting cosy in a hotel room doing a Ryder Cup commute pod. Spooning. 
spooning. Yeah. And that was live on the TV. And I was trying to record it so you could hear what they were saying. And yeah. my father-in-law's nipping in, in the background. I said, go to shop while I record this. <laughs> so you were grumpy. Uh, I was grumpy. So I'm not going to let that, I'm not going to let that one win. I'm going to go with Keith Mitchell Ooh. because... I think Alex explained it very well. It's a full-on grumpy moment. <laughs> uh, the the sound of his driver, I remember the thud of that driver hitting the ground. We have all been there. When you hear that, you know a bad shot has been hit and bad shit's going to go down. And I love that. So Keith Mitchell wins well the Bryce Ritchie quake for Grumpiest Golfer. He <laughs> I had to Google what that is, by the way. Against all the other events, shite events that he's won. <laughs> <laughs> and that is our review of the year as you'll tell that is not what the BBC would do but stuff it no one wants to read part the one there's a part the two first oh, that's, that's, that's the part first one, part one so now there's notes in here that I trail into advert with calendar plug so that's what I'm going to do right now <laughs> so bunker.co.uk forward slash advent calendars where you can win over £7,000 worth of prizes all the doors are still open you've got until New Year's Eve that's an English thing. In, in Sketchland, we say Hogmanay. I actually don't like Hogmanay. I think it's a bit parochial. Where did that word come from? No idea. Probably Robert Burns or something, something <laughs> like that. Yeah, I'm going to look that up. By the way, I know Robert Burns wrote Old Lang Syne. Have you seen Mariah Carey's version of Old Lang Syne? No. Do me a favour. Everyone that's on this podcast, just hit pause, swipe up on your phone, go to YouTube and type in Mariah Carey. Old Lang Syne and watch that video. It's a war crime. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say. It's brutal. So anyway, you've got until New Year's Eve or Hogmanay uh, to enter. It's free. There's nothing you need to ask. You don't need to answer any questions. So morons can win as well. Get involved. Go to bunker.co.uk forward slash advent calendar. And we'll see you in the second part of the podcast. Putting is not a popularity contest, but if it were, there'd be no contest. The number one putter on the PGA Tour, LPGA Tour, DP World Tour, and the number one putter at 50 consecutive majors is Odyssey, the number one putter on tour. Welcome back to part two of the Bunkered Podcast, sponsored by Callaway Golf. Listen, I need a favour. Could you please, if you've enjoyed listening to us this year, of one of the many hundreds of thousands of listeners we've had this year, do us a favour and go and review us on whatever platform you listen to us, whether that's Apple or Spotify, Google, whatever. It helps us get out there, helps us pay the bills, to be quite honest. So do us a favour, leave us a review. And to be honest, if you thought my uh, hosting of this was worth a mention in that in that review, and you would like me to host more often, please re -review, leave a review saying that. When I find out who left that review, I will give a dozen Callaway golf balls away. Right. So straight away, that's got no credibility. It's fine. You don't need to put that in the review that you wrote the review because you're getting a dozen Callaway balls. But the first no, you don't need to write that, it because you've just said it. I know it's fine. Whatever. The first person that does that, I'll I'll find some way to get those balls to you. Don't know how we're going to do that, but listen. <laughs> The point is, just go and review the podcast for Christ's sake. Michael, you always throw this to me. Well, go and do a new issue plug and you don't yes. ever tell me what I've got to say. And then I just have to make it up as we go. So I'm going to throw this your way, Deputy Editor. There's a new issue out 
what day is this Friday is the new issue out actually with subscribers today and mm-hmm. I think it's in all shops including some crap shops next week and I would like you to tell all the listeners what they get for the money I thought you wanted to host this episode but that's fine I'll, I'll take one for the team yes latest issue is our January issue <laughs> It's hard, isn't it? January, it's really fucking hard, by the way. Uh, January, February issue, we would refer to shorthand internally as issue 208, but basically just look out for the issue of Bunker that's got Georgia Hall and Charlie Hall on the cover. It's the first ever time that we have had two women on the cover, and that is all credit to our man Lewis Fraser, who went out to Saudi Arabia. Yes, he went to interview them as part of the the Aramco team series in Riyadh, I believe it was. Yep. Yep. Lewis and Dex, our videographer slash photographer, they went out there and they spent a lot of time with both Charlie and Georgia, got a lot of great content, took a lot of great pictures, and I think that jumps right out in front of you when you see the magazine. I think it's an absolutely awesome cover, which I have to say Lewis took Lewis did the cover. Pretty yep. much on by himself. Yep. His first time doing that, so props to Lewis. And yeah, it's a, it's a great read. You find out a little bit more about how both players play the game, which is always very enlightening. But you get a sense of their personalities as well. And I think that's important because we all know about the biggest, highest profile men's players in the game and personality is very important there. But sometimes with the women, the little that we do get to see and hear of them is just them hitting shots. It's great when it's the Solheim Cup. We see then just how good they are at playing golf, but we also want to know more about them. We want to share more about them with you. So it's a really enlightening read. It's a lot of fun. You'll find out some really quirky stuff about them as well. And highly recommend you check that out. Elsewhere in the mag, what have we got? We've got an interview with Martin Slumbers, quite wide ranging, talks about a ton of subjects. Kenny Dalgleish, Sir Kenny Dalgleish is in there, which I struggle to say he's King Kenny. Sir Kenny Dalglish. No. no. But absolute football and royalty, Celtic, Liverpool, and I'll say this because they're my English team, Blackburn Rovers legend. What am I missing, Bryce? Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? It is, yeah, it's not easy. (laughs) Plus, all the stuff you would come to expect from Bunkard, how to play, where to play, what to play. Is that it? That's it. (laughs) That's it. You've kind of gone there. Very difficult. If there's a late Christmas present you're looking for for the golfer in your life, go to bunkerd.co.uk forward slash suboffer. And make it happen. See, that's the bit that I like is because you just get to sit back and listen and watch the other person try their best to think about what to say. And then you just Drumble. sweep in at the end with a call to action. Yeah. I mean, I now realise what it's like to be on the other side of yeah, that. Yeah, well, there you go. So next up in this sort of chaotic end of the year podcast. Which is you are hosting a, brilliantly. Thank you. Say. Thank you. To be honest, it's not that difficult. Is a quiz from our associate editor, whatever that means, Alex Perry. Alex, over to you. It'd be rude not to have a quiz on the last podcast of the year. So in honour of Scotty Scheffler tucking into his turkey and, uh, what did we say last week, candied yams? Oh, yeah. As, <clears throat> as the world's top-ranked top player, I have been back through the OWGR archives to find the other 15 players in the men's game who spent Christmas Day as world number one. So you're going to take it in turns to say a player's name to me and you'll get a bonus point if you also get the year they were Christmas number one. Now, obviously, there's two or three of them who have been world number one for more than one year. You just have to give me one year that they were world number one and I will accept the bonus point. If you get the year wrong, I will hand it over 
and the bonus point could potentially be stolen. And you can just mark yourselves because oh, I haven't got enough hands and so I can't, I can't find my the, pen. You're going to say the year and we have to guess no, who you're ju- No, you're just going to... A player and a year. You're, 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 a year. you're just going to say the name of a player. I will tell you if they were if they ever spent Christmas Day as world number one. And if they did, you will then guess the year for they the spent Christmas point. number one. Okay, right, I got one. it, I got it. Okay, that's good. Your quizzes right. are quite good, Alex. Yeah. You're very welcome. Who wants to go first? On you go. I'll I'll let the man who is hosting go first because he's doing such a good job. Tiger Woods, two thousand and one. Tiger Woods was Christmas number one in ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand, two thousand and one, oh two, oh three, oh five, oh six, oh seven, oh eight, oh nine, and thirteen. Twelve times. Not getting correct. a bonus point. I get twelve points. <laughs> two, this quiz. two points to Bryce, Michael. So give me Tiger's years again. Sorry. <laughs> ninety eight, ninety nine, ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand. 2001, 2, 3, 5, okay. 6, 7, 8, 9, 13. 2004. Correct. That's a good one. Bryce. Greg Norman. Correct. Give me a year. Oh my God. 1991. Incorrect. Bollocks. Michael, steal the bonus point. Steal. I am going to say, oh, oh, that is tricky actually. I'm going to say Greg Norman in 1995. Correct. Shit. You could have, you, you could have also number one, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, you could have also stopped three, didn't he? Yeah, mm. you could have also stopped talking after when you said nineteen ninety because he also was Christmas <laughs> Christmas number one that year as well. So, Greg Norman was actually six, eighty seven, eighty nine, ninety, ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven. Three years in a row as Christmas 97? number one. He's basically lad Bible, lad lad lad. What was that? Lad, lad baby, baby. Yeah. lad baby. Yeah, close yeah. enough. Right, so that's one point for each of you, and it's back to Michael. Dustin Johnson. Correct. What year? I'm going to say simply because of the November Masters that he won, 2020. Correct. He was actually Christmas number one twice, 2017, 2020. Two points. Bryce? Bernard Langer. The first incorrect answer. He was not world number one on Christmas Day. Back to Michael. It has to be Rory. Yep. Give me the year. I will Eight. say 2014. Yep. So three times, 12, 14, 22. Two points. Bryce? John Ram. John Ram. Correct. What year? 22. Incorrect. No way. I just, I literally just said Rory was 22. Oh, did you? <laughs> Thanks for reminding me that. So I can steal. Well, I, I have. Yeah, so I you can steal, yes. It's 21, isn't it? 21. Yeah. Right. It's One point each. Back. <laughs> Back to Michael. Right, this is simply because I think he became world number one on Halloween. I've got that in my head. Lee Westwood. Lee Westwood. And the year? Was it 2010? Correct. That's good knowledge. That's what I mean. You're on your computer when you're doing it. Do you want to see? No, no, I don't. I don't really care. Check his history. Can I see your notes? (laughs) 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 Uh, Luke Donald. Luke Donald, yes. Fantastic show. Shit, now I'm not going to get the year. I will go with 2012. Nope. He took over from Lee Westwood as world number oh, one, if you remember. So 2011. Oh, yeah. Alex. Sorry. Uh, well Sorry. Done, Alex. I, I knew you knew it. I knew you knew it. I was it. saying 11. Uh, I'm taking the you're not getting that point. <laughs> I don't actually think I need it. Oh. <laughs> so this game nearly finished yet? You've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven left to go. What? Oh, for Christ's sake. Back to my Do we? Right. Right, okay, good. <laughs> I will say... 
Hmm. Nope. Nope. That's that's nonsense. Ian Wisdom. In the year ninety-one. Correct. The year of his last victory. Oh my God. Colin Morikawa. It's never been number one. Yeah. What was he not number one? One. Yeah. Oh shit. Colin Morikawa has not been a Christmas number one <sighs> or number one at all. I, I thought believe. he was. Is that right? It was in my mind when he won the Open. Yeah, I mean, you convinced yourself he was the best. How many times did you say in the podcast? He's the the world and he won for the next two and a half years. Uh, Fred Couples. Incorrect. Your first incorrect answer, I believe. Mm -hmm. Bryce? Oh, my God. No, I'm running out of inspiration. To be honest, Alex, I'm beginning to run out of interest. Uh, (laughs) I'm now trying to think of world number ones. We had this the last time and I sucked at that as well. Uh, World number ones. You've got two two to get from the sort of early days of OWGR, if you will. Nick Faldo. Correct. Give me a year. I should have been listening earlier when I'm going through the 90s. 92? Correct. Yes. Two points. Dos well point. Done. Michael, who's in your brain? There's actually, there's four players that I know were number one. Well, five, but we're not including Tom Lehman because he was there for a week. And I'm sure this guy must have been there in 2015 but it changed hands so i'm going to say jordan spieth he was the world number one on christmas day which year 2015 correct whoops was he how's about that that's frightening to think that jordan spieth was world number one wasn't it because he's so guff now (laughs) 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 sorry jordan Remember when he wasn't shit? Yeah, he was not really. He's just like he's Jordan Spieth's career is insane. Yeah, it's wild. It's wild. So Bryce, we've got one player who is from the early days of OWGR. We've got one player who's more sorry, two players who are more recent, one of whom spent two years in a row as Christmas number one. Two years in a row as Christmas number one. More recently. In recent years. Well, I believe in you. And one from sending you I'm sending you all my energy from Yorkshire to Glasgow. Early days. Last Christmas. I can't think. I cannot think. Justin Thomas been world number one. I think he has. I'm going to go with my pal JT. He hasn't spent Christmas Day oh. as world number one, I'm afraid. You suck. Michael? Brooks Kepka. Brooks Kepka. Want to give me both the years? For a, oh. You only, get, you only get one bonus point. Okay. But he was the one who did it two years in a row. 1819. Correct. Right. Bryce. Norman Wisdom. I think I've got this one. Shut up. No one was. It's are, not your turn. There are three left. Oh, God. I one. Think I think I've got two anyway. Give us one is no, the, you can't give us the years. One is the very early days of OWGR. One is a few years later, mid 90s. Whoa, 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 whoa. I suppose I've won. And one is slightly more recent, last decade or so. Nick Price. Nick Price, what year? 96. 90. Michael. Four. Four. Shit. Bonus point. Four. Oh, I got my year wrong. Right, come on, Michael. Well, he won the, hold on, he won the open in 96, Tom Lehman. 96, Tom Lehman, yeah. Oh, bollocks. So. We've already done that quiz. The, <laughs> the early days of OWGR and one slightly more recent. And one's, one's in the last decade. One is in the last decade. I'm, I'm going to have to, to go with the dreamboat himself adam scott incorrect oh, i was quite confident about adam that. scott incorrect mm-hmm. right i'll tell you what just to hurry this along a bit because people I've have definitely lost interest about 20 minutes bryce ago. bryce i'll give you the year and you just get two points if you get the name correct so the years are 
88 and 2016. Ah, uh, 88 Sandy Lyle. Oh no, actually, wait a minute. Your first answer was final. Wait a Incorrect. Minute. 88. Oh no, Sevy. No. I will I will take it. I'll I'll decide after we see the scores whether or not you're gonna have that. So Sevy is one of them. No. And the other year you said Alex was twenty sixteen, wasn't it? Twenty two Sevy was not world number one in twenty sixteen. No. no. So who is that? Give me the name. Christmas number one. I tell you what, I'm opening it up. Whoever shouts the name out first gets the two points. I mean say someone. Keimer. No. Keep going. Zach Johnson <laughs> <laughs> Jim Furyk <laughs> oh come on Michael think 2016 world number one Ian Baker Finch <laughs> you're going to have to give us a nationality oh if I do that it just gives it away yeah. he he didn't win a major that year but he won a major the year before there you go Jason Day Jason Corkrack Anthony Day Hi, okay. correct there you go. Okay. Oh, right, I mean, I, I would say add up your scores, but I think I've lost interest as well. Four, five, I think we've, six, uh, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, nineteen points. Nineteen. There you go. Well played, Bryce. Twelve. I have no idea. I wasn't counting. Uh, there you go. Honestly, I've nowhere. I think I maybe had about eight or nine. Dreadful. It wasn't nineteen. Yeah. Listen, that was a long quiz. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't think it was going. I thought you were just going to be throwing names. I was, I was doing that, thinking this is really easy. They're just going to be chucking names at me, no, and then you're no. sitting there. For we take 20 it seriously. Minutes. Take it seriously. I don't want to lose this weekend, right? But you did. But I did again. Move on. Back to the awards. Right. Back to the awards. Our continue our bang average review of the year. We are on to our fourth gong, which is the Elon Musk Shield for reckless management, and the nominees are from Michael. It's me, old pal. Jay Monaghan. My old pal Jay. What else is there to say about Jay Monaghan and his approach to the PGS Tour's existential crisis? He allowed Rory McIlroy to be his heat shield for a very long time until basically Rory went, wait a minute, you've been negotiating with the guys that you've told me to front up against behind my back. He's lost the trust of his entire tour, his... As I say, as fire guard Rory has decided he doesn't want any more to do with that. He has been absent. Obviously, he has, now on a serious note, he's clearly had a, an illness or some issues this year. So let's hope that all of that is resolved. But he hasn't exactly led very well. If he was a football manager, you would say, or I would have said very, very long time ago that he's lost the dressing room and he would probably have had the Michael Beale treatment a long, long time ago. Somehow he's still there, not just in charge of the PGA Tour, but seemingly trying to get himself the top dog position in this new call, whatever it's going to be, this framework agreement that, you know, that turns out to be, he wants to be the new chief exec of that. It has been... A masterclass in how not to lead an organisation. And as we've just found out this week, he's getting very handsomely compensated for it. So on the one hand, well done to him for doing such a bad job and getting so well paid. On the other, it's time for change. Okay. Good defence for that, uh, or good whatever you would call it for that uh, nomination. I, I appreciate the effort you put in there. Pretty sure he's not going to win it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm pretty sure he's not going to win it too. G Martin, in defence, right, in defence of Jay, hindsight is a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. 
Right at the beginning, we thought there's no way they can allow Liv to do what they're doing. If it's the Saudi Golf League, as it was at the beginning of the Premier Golf League, there is no way you can allow that to happen. You've got to defend your corner. You've got to fight. There's no way they can allow that. Yeah. But then we didn't realise that Phil Mickelson was going to leave. We didn't realise that John Ram was going to leave. There's a lot of big names on Liv. Yeah. And they've spent a lot of money. So I think the problem with Jay... Not to get into Jay again, but he underestimated the severity of the threat from the outset and from everything we've been told, made no attempt to understand the extent of the threat. I think we, we didn't all, even have the dialogue I think with we them. I underestimated the longevity of the threat because mm. they're still going, which is, and they're still a threat all that time, all this, uh, all these, uh, well, years later, I suppose. Mm. Next in this um, really bitchy it's a highly competitive category competitive category is the i would assume you're nominating him as the u.s Ryder cup team captain zachariah johnson yeah not for anything not for his commitment to the church or anything like that (laughs) i thought i thought i had a i thought i played a blinder here given that bryce you as the, the person deciding who gets this award woke up on the Saturday of Ryder Cup and you were so cross with what you were seeing that you actually wrote an article which was titled something like, this is on you, Zach Johnson. It was so, blistering, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you haven't read that and you really need to just go and look for it on Bunker. I, re- I wrote that at half six on the Saturday morning. So, I mean, first of all, actually, we should probably say that he started the week off incredibly well with that wonderful speech in the opening ceremony. And then everything just went downhill from there. He had, what, six or seven of the top ten in the world, more than half of whom have won majors. And as and this, this is the line from your piece that always sticks in my mind. They played the worst golf in the history of the Ryder Cup. He had a, a horrible selection of vice captains who either were god-awful, Jim Furyk, or... They couldn't keep their fucking mouths shut. They kept telling the media, they kept telling their essentially their opponents what their lineups were going to be. These things kept getting leaked. Michael says there that Jay Monaghan has lost the dressing room. This is losing the dressing room and some. It was just an absolute clusterfuck of a performance from a Ryder Cup. Probably the worst. I mean, it... I don't want it to take away from the fact that Luke Donald was arguably, as we've already discussed, the best European Ryder Cup captain that we've ever had. But Zach, mate, if, I mean, if he gets the job again for next year, I'll be absolutely buzzing. Oh, that, because, that's, that's, <laughs> that is just not going to happen. When they make the Mike Bassett football manager sequel, yeah. it will be golf-based and it will be based on Zach Johnson. Yeah, there's a, there's there a lot. To, to be Ryder Cup captain, there's a lot you have to get, right? There's a lot of things you can get wrong. And that's fine, but there's a lot that you have to get right. And in the title of this award is the word management. And that is not what Zach Johnson had. He didn't exude any of that or those qualities at all during that week. If you remember on the Sunday morning, one of his... So he had already said, you know, we're prepared for everything. We're well prepared. And in the Sunday morning, Davis Love the Third basically told... Was it Paul Azinger? Paul Azinger, yeah. Paul Azinger yeah. behind the scenes. Oh, but we weren't prepared. And then Azinger stupidly came live on Sky and told them that on Sky that, uh, you know, Davis Love the Thirds told me we weren't prepared. So 
that is really poor management that you can't even get your vice captains to shut their mouth. Mm-hmm. Davis Love the Third has experienced shocking management himself at the Ryder Cup on both sides of it. He's done quite well at one point and then been horrific on the other. So he knows more than anyone should have kept his mouth shut. I thought right from the start, that whole week, they've been a mess. And I've said it repeatedly, they actually don't care about the Ryder Cup in the same way that we do. It's a bit like Aberdeen playing Celtic or Aberdeen playing Rangers. <laughs> when they play us, it's like they're playing us before they're all going on holiday and they've already got one foot in the Tell plane. Tell me about it. They're not that bothered. But when they play the other mob, they are. And we'll soon see that on Sunday. But yeah, <laughs> just a mess. There is, I've, I feel for, J, I have a slight bit of sympathy for Jay Monaghan. I have none for Zach Johnson. <laughs> and I really like the guy. I do. He's a classic golfer. Jack, Zach Johnson's like record as a PGA Tour player at one point was awesome. There hadn't been a lot of guys that had won the amount of events that he'd won when he was at his peak. He was doing incredible things. Won the Open at St Andrews and the Masters. Yeah. How many players have I mean, done that? There's not a lot of players have done that. He's, he's won the big ones at the right places. He is a top draw player. As a captain, he's a shit show. And he wins that one. Well done, Alex. Oh, I didn't do anything. That's something he's all, won this year. All about Zach. And here we go. Next up is the Loose Tongue Award, sponsored by Edward Snowden. And the nominees are... Oh. <laughs> can, well, this is a good one. Can you tell that Michael and I spent more time working out who was going to be sponsoring the awards yeah. than... Yeah. Uh, the nominees so, uh, are... Uh, Alex. I've just gone for I've just gone for the live bots on social media... It's just, this whole live PGA Tour thing. One of the more perhaps entertaining aspects of it is is it has become almost like football transfers, where we're talking about players moving from one team to another. We're obviously talking about golfers moving from one tour to another, and the live bots have just had an absolute. You all know if you're listening to this, you all know who I'm talking about. You all know these accounts on social media that we all either follow or block depending on which side you're on. And they just chat nonsense. There's, there's just been names thrown out all over the place. Okay, some of them they've got right, but you know if you throw enough shit at the wall, some of it's going to stick, isn't it? It's just, for me, it's been quite a sour side to all of this that is, you know, I said a couple of weeks ago on this podcast that you it's it's divided golf in a way that, that politics has, in that you're either in the blue corner or the red corner and you just will absolutely not listen to the other side. And the live bots on social media have been the drivers of this. And again, they just, they win the loose tongue award because they can't keep their mouths shut. And it's just, it's infuriating. And and I, I think I've had a conversation with, with Michael about these guys and, you know, he's, <laughs> He's blocked them all, so I have to screenshot and send them to him. <laughs> Look at this dickhead saying now. Life's too short, man. It's <laughs> very good point. So, yeah. yeah, so th- that's why I'm putting those guys up. But uh, I, I don't think I can argue with, with Michael's nomination, to be honest with you. Michael? Fred Couples? He... <laughs> first things first. Everybody loves Fred Couples. You love him, Bryce. You love him, Alex. I love mm-hmm. him. All of you listening to this, we all love Freddie Couples. Boom, boom, blah, blah, blah. Just brilliant. As someone that you want on your team to support you and help you achieve a particular result, a particular outcome, that outcome being victory, he is an absolutely 
huge liability. <laughs> if Zach Johnson, and I assume he didn't, but if Zach Johnson had said to him, right, Fred, it's Wednesday night, just about to go and do the opening ceremony, I've nailed the Italian. People are going to be really chuffed when they hear this. <laughs> Luke Donald, he, he can't speak Italian, by the way. I'm going to sound awesome. Just so you know, Fred, the opening foursomes are going to be blah, 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 blah. Fred Couples would have walked into the media centre and said, everyone, listen up, <laughs> just to let you know. And would have shared that information. I have intel. <laughs> exactly. Fred Couples is probably the source for all the live bots that Alex has just described. The guy <laughs> cannot help himself. Do not tell Fred Couples your deepest, darkest secrets. He will expose you and expose himself in the process. <laughs> colossally, I mean, I'm, I'm laughing about it, but there is a serious point. He did colossally undermine Zach Johnson's captaincy mm -hmm. by just speaking way too much. It was great for us. It was great for everyone who wasn't Zach Johnson in the American team. Lovely guy, legend of the game, but probably, probably shouldn't have anything more to do yeah. with team golf at this point. Yeah, as we've seen in the last few days, he's got a loose tongue. There's no doubt about yes. it. Uh, Freddie Boy is winning that one. I'm Hands afraid. down. Sorry, Alex. Next up is the U-Turn Award, kindly sponsored this year by John Ram. <laughs> Sorry, John Boy. And the nominees are... Oh, Jesus. Ryder Cup Guardians. Well, it's really me for my relationship with the Ryder Cup Guardians. Now, how many times in this podcast have we slated and roundly ridiculed these men with their, their quirky outfits and absolutely shit songs. I won't lie, going to Rome this year, I was a bit, genuinely, I was a, I was a bit worried about what the first tea experience would be like because in France, because the grandstand was so big, they weren't able to dominate it the way they had been able to dominate the previous home one at Glen Eagles in 2014, where, let's be honest, they ruined the spectacle and we've covered that. Rome, not as big a first tee grandstand as you had in France. And I'm thinking, well, they're going to re-emerge and we're going to be back to where we were at Glen Eagles. It's just going to be the Ryder Cup Guardian show. And I don't want that. The European Tour, DP World Tour, whatever, they, they make a big deal of them. Sky Sports made a big deal of them. They gave them like their own little 15, 20-minute show that was played, by the way, on loop in the media centre at Marco Simone. And I thought, oh, here we go. It's going to be another Ryder Cup marred by these guys. But, much to my surprise, they kind of just blended in. They allowed everyone to be part of the experience. They didn't try to commandeer it. They joined in with the other singing. They encouraged a louder, brighter, more vibrant first tea experience. And see, when I met them, and I did meet them in the food court, they are absolutely brand new. I genuinely don't have a bad word to say about them. And I've said this before, if everybody had the passion that they have and was confident enough oh, within themselves to channel it oh, and be brave and me. bold with it. You had me there until you, until you went down <laughs> that know, line. So, I'm I sorry, know, I know, I know. That's, that's enough. You've had your time. You've <laughs> had, you've had your I've, time. I've made my case. Basically, you, me you, and the Ryder Cup Guardians yeah, were good now. Yeah, I'm, I'm disgusted by that. And it says nominees, it says the rollback and it's me. <laughs> It is you. You uh, we had that podcast. We well, we had the whole podcast on the rollback last week, didn't we? And I thought, do you know what? 
we were thinking about U-turns, and one of them is you on the rollback. It's one of the biggest stories of the year. You yeah. are incredibly passionate about it, so I'm and throwing I this one to you're you. you're taking the U-turn because my pals call me U-turn because I've changed my mind quite a few things in my life, and I get slagged <laughs> for it, and my close friends. So, yeah, rollback. So a few years ago, I massively, massively anti-rollback. Absolutely have no interest in taking technology backwards. Am I influenced by the fact that I work for a golf magazine and I am probably in the loop with R&D guys and golf companies more than your average golfer? 100% I'm yep. influenced by that, obviously, because I know what good work they do and the technology that you get from brands, all brands these days, is, is mind-blowing. It's amazing. Why would you want to go backwards? That was my point, and I had no interest in that. And, you know, I, I do think that players hitting it long is a great thing for the game. And the bigger thing is that athleticism has changed in golf. I've said this before. The only time some of the guys in the 80s ever saw a gym was when they walked through it to get to the bar. Guys playing golf in the 80s had bellies and moobs and it's not an athletics. It wouldn't be regarded as a sport back then. Mr. Woods changed all that. Admittedly, there were guys back in the day like Greg Norman and he was built like a tank and there were some guys who were who would work out. Norman did work out before the rest of the guys came on the scene, but Tiger took it forward. Tiger was the first guy that said, I'm going to hit the shit out of this. And he did. And he had all the talent to go with it. However, he can't roll back the human body. And we can't keep running the risk that these golf courses are going to be not overrun in the next five years, but in the next 20, 30 years. We could be looking at the old course maybe not being that relevant. Not saying it would disappear, but I just think we might come to a point where guys are not using driver at all playing the Open Championship. And Augusta are running scared of what potentially Bryson could have done if he carried on his uh, his um, whole ethos of I'm going to come back bigger than better than everyone else. Which was demonstrably unsustainable because he made himself ill and yeah. had to stop doing well, it. Yeah, you would have to do that because he's he was having six to eight protein shakes yeah. a day. You know, there are bodybuilders that don't have that amount of protein shakes. So I guess he was just trying to do it fast. He was yeah. trying to expedite And he did change. it. He added yeah. like 20, 30, 40 pounds. Yeah. So incredible. So there really is only one. If you're, if you're pr- protecting the future of the game, which I think we should do, and you read all about that in the latest issue with Mr. Martin Slumbers, uh, thanks to your exclusive, Michael, there's there, there's only really one thing you can do. We're not going to go and change the, the 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 length of grass on the golf course. And grass has changed. You know, stint meters are running at 10 in fairways, you know. So the game that we know has massively changed. And I do believe that probably we should have some sort of safety precaution. Mm. And unfortunately, that hits equipment companies. I do think think the equipment company's reaction to it has been very measured and responsible. Mm-hmm. And I think all the brands, you know, Titleist, Callaway, TaylorMade, all the brands that have made public comment have been responsible in their reaction to it. And I think they've done that because they know deep down the future of the game's at stake. Mm-hmm. I think we've all been sensible. And there's nobody more sensible than me, hence I've made a U-turn in the rollback. <laughs> okay, so. Right, I'm going to pick the winner on this one. Oh, so, God. Oh. Tell you what. Self-appointed now, eh? Uh, well, yeah. well, Bryce can't pick it because he's going to pick his own argument, isn't he? Bloody so, awesome. Yes, <laughs> you're right on that. <laughs> 
So purely on the basis, I first of all, I really enjoyed seeing Michael's Ryder Cup Guardians U-turn in real time and how sickeningly happy it made him in Rome. I 100% agree with everything Bryce has said, but I am going to give it to Michael and I'll tell you why, because, or to the Ryder Cup Guardians, because... I'm not convinced that Bryce isn't going to change his mind again on the rollback. So therefore, <laughs> my, Michael That's is now Michael is now a guardian for life. Guardian and for that for reason, life. he has to have the John Rahm Award for biggest U-turn of the year. Okay. It's funny, by the way, there's something I should add on this. I don't think they've shared this. At least, yeah, I'm almost certain they haven't shared this. But when uh, I saw them in that food court at Marcus Sabone, they're all like, oh, Michael, big bear hugs and all that. And said, let's have a picture. I was like, right, okay, fine. I'll pull a funny face of looking like glum because I'm standing with you and you can all like be singing. And as the picture was being taken, they also put one of their hats and pairs of glasses on me. And there is that picture somewhere out there. It's almost like they are withholding it. What's the big tall one like? <laughs> Brand new. His name's Teddy. Tall Teddy. Tall Teddy. <laughs> big Ed or Ted or whatever. Listen, I... I I take it all back. Don't really care. I've heard enough. The next award <laughs> is our penultimate prize of the evening, which is the W2F moment of the year. And Dad, if you're listening, that means what the fuck. And there are three <laughs> nominees for this. Ah. Nominees are the St. Andrew's Patio Michael. We all saw it. The, uh, amazing thing that's happened this year. Back in January. That did happen this yeah. year, didn't it? I know. It did. Wild. St. Andrew's Lynx Trust decided... See that famous, iconic landmark that has been untouched, give or take, for centuries. Do you know what it means? <laughs> let's let's give it a patio. That was that couple of days on Twitter was just wild, what? absolutely what? wild. What I'm, we know the people at St Andrews Links. They're all like they're intelligent people. Yep. They're in charge of the most important bit of grass on the planet. They are in charge exactly. of it. The the head greenkeeper, very intelligent guy. All the people in marketing, we know them well. Good people. Absolutely brilliant. Somebody must have been lacing the coffees that morning when they yeah. came up with that idea. <laughs> now, I do get it. There is a serious point because it's wear and tear. It happens with the amount of footfall that that particular bridge, the Spilkin Bridge, gets every single year. They can't allow it to look shit as you're walking up to it. And it was getting bare and all that sort of stuff. Of all of the outcomes they could have settled on, yeah. they settled on the worst one. Yeah. The patio, as it's taken its place in folklore, absolutely repulsive to look at. Also a slip hazard, by the way, because mm. it's extra stone slabs to walk on. Which, did it not look you know, a bit like wet, a, Did it also look like a wee bit like a... It was a bit phallic, a bit phallic. Uh, from above, yes. Yeah. Yep. And it continues Scotland's long-standing, really awkward relationship with bridges. You know, the <laughs> Sky Bridge tolls and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like the Spilkin Bridge. Well, we can't screw that up. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. I will give them this, though. They recognised the error of their ways and they put their hands up and said, yeah, that was a mistake. And they fixed it immediately. Yeah, they did not double down, which is what people <laughs> do these days. You just double down. Like Joey Barton's been doing this week. No oh. matter what, just double down. Do you they know didn't what? do that. Sorry to go off topic, but just on this point, because it's really pissed me off. I don't 
care whether you're male or female or whatever, if you want to be a, a pundit, as long as you know what you're talking about and bring that insight, I will sit and listen and enjoy it. And yeah, critique it. Do you know what I cannot get on board with? People putting on accents when they join a foreign club <laughs> just to try and, you know, how they say, fit in with the French culture. So fix that, Joey, you twat. Yeah, and we've got Alex Augusta Trees. I absolutely cannot contend with the patio as far as I'm concerned. That is my winner and I'm the one choosing this one. But I, I just I just felt like this needed bringing up because it seems with all the other stuff that was going on at the Masters, notably Tiger and his fitness and his withdrawal, this sort of went a bit forgotten about. But on the day, as someone who was on the ground and you know, Michael was there as well, it was really weird i think is probably the best way to put it it was uh, people it was one of those things where it just started going around the grounds like some trees are falling down some trees are falling down and then obviously the journalists in us all stood up and we're like oh we've got to get down there and find out what's going on and then of course they they're saying we've shut the we've shut the grounds we're getting everyone out if you go down there you're basically going to get booted out whether you're a patron or a journalist or whatever so it all got a bit confusing and a bit mm. panicky you know have people been hurt we didn't you know it was one of those things where this could potentially be a tragedy and we didn't really know what was going on so it was the it the the journalist in us got all excited it was like oh this is actually a piece of news like something could have happened ultimately it just turned out that some wind blew some trees over and it delayed a golf <laughs> tournament for a few moments but at the time it was a, a, a genuine as you described it so beautifully, Bryce, WTF moment. I've been landed with the Colin Morikawa TGL video. Because you had strong feelings on it at the you time, did. and I'm sure you they've did. not changed. Yeah, because he's basically, I like Colin Morikawa. Listen, there's, an, there's part of me that says I like Colin Morikawa way too much because I, when he won the Open, I thought this guy's going to be down. world number one for about five years. He's got everything, all the talent in the world, a phenomenal iron player. He'd won two majors. He was a young kid. He'd everything in front of him. And then he just fell apart for two and a half years. Didn't win anything. He has won this year. I just sort of got a bit, I don't know, he got a bit weird. Mm -hmm. Bit and, serious. Yeah, a bit serious, a bit weird. And then, you know, he did the whole thing that is the worst thing a golfer can do is fall in love. Fall in love and get married. You think, oh no, you're now not going to be able to go to the range as much as he used to. <laughs> oh no. And then he joined TGL and his announcement video was for this LA team. What are they called again? LA Golf Club. LA Golf Club, imaginative. And he said in the video that this was basically more exciting than when he was picked for the Ryder Cup. And you think, wait a minute. Colin Powell, what are you talking about? And he gets slated for it. That annoys me because I think you, I don't understand who in the background is telling them to say these things because you don't have to say that. Just mm. say, just like people should be advised. Everyone in golf now should be advised by the same people who advise Brooks Kepka. Just be you. Just tell them the truth. Be real. Be real, and they'll like you for it. Whether you're actually a bit of a douche at times, they'll still like you for it. And I think Colin Morikawa pissed me off in that video, and I'm a huge fan. Now, do you think it was a piss take of Taylor Gooch? Because Taylor no. Gooch made those comments about, 
live golf and it being as big as the Ryder Cup, having never played in it. Yeah, no, I think that was a genuine mistake. So what are you doing? Yeah, very very strange. Didn't like it, but there was really there is only one winner in this. It's the patio, isn't it? It's the patio. It's the patio. Yeah. The pictures on that people having <laughs> like superimposed garden tables on that- it. Killed me, <laughs> just means. And and you know the good thing, there's a happy ending to this because you said because they quickly went. Yeah. You know what? Screw it. Get out there, fix that job done. They were out like the next morning. Whatever it was fixed, and we've all until we brought it up in our shitty review of the year, <laughs> we'd all forgotten about it. Basically, we'd all forgotten. And I think that is a sign of just how good the, the St Andrews Links Trust are. Big time. Did a good job. Well done. Our final dreadful award or as it should be known as, the Dickhead of the Year. Oh, it's a bit harsh. Oh, just, actually, I thought these would be around the other way. <laughs> so, Dickhead of the Year is the Mr. Sonoma himself, Patrick Cantley. Michael, take it away. The case rests, Your Honour. <laughs> succinct we have we have done an hour and 46 of this podcast so i think this will be a long one because frankly it's the last one for a good few weeks yeah and you've all learned it but what more is there to say yeah it's kind of mm, I, I would like a wee bit more context but no problem he hats, is misery hats, greed slow done. play slow yeah. yeah slow play he he's he's had such a stupid year i forgot about the slow play stuff yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly how much of a dickhead he's been but the thing is He's a hell of a player. Unbelievable yeah. golfer. That's, that's incredible. But that's that's not in question. All these guys are incredible golfers. The way that Patrick Cantley has handled himself and behaved this year, and I'm going to stand up a little bit for Jamie Weir here, which I know won't be a popular thing to some people listening. I know Jamie. I get on well with him. And whether you think he was right or wrong or reported everything accurately, I think that what has transpired since then has proven him to be way more right than wrong and Patrick Cantley did him dirty in Rome yeah. and I don't like that Okay, just be honest Alex we have Patrick Cantley you're going to raise him to Phil Mickelson well yeah this is one of those things where we were saying we've got to have a dickhead of the year that's like the the, the ultimate award surely is being golf's ultimate villain and that's a better a, name for it to be honest yeah yeah and I think with Phil it was one of those things where we, we mentioned Phil's name and I sort of thought has Phil hasn't really been in my consciousness this year and then I sort of started going through news stories and then you realize that he just can't keep his mouth shut but he sort of does it on the sly and I don't really like that there was that incident a couple of weeks ago where someone wrote a really cruel unnecessary tweet about Tiger Woods and and mm. Mickelson liked it which is proper dickhead behaviour for starters. But, you know, we've got... He's come out and said that Jay Monaghan needs to walk. Like, he doesn't need to get involved in that. He's come out and said that he had nothing to do with the John Rahm moving to live stuff or certainly nothing to do with the rumours when they were going around. And it's like, you do. You're, re- you're really close to him. Yeah, Are we supposed that. to believe you? Yeah. And then, and then there's... Uh, and then, like, just one more example, which I think is probably enough, is just him saying that there's going to be another exodus of of PGA Tour players to to live golf. And it's it's just one of those things where it's it's the sneakiness and the deceptive way that he goes about his business that I really don't like. He's always had that side to him, but it was like when he was PGA Tour, it's like he's a dickhead, but he's our dickhead. So it's yeah. sort of just like you, you're it, okay yeah. with it. There's a, 
I agree with you. There's a viciousness to what Phil's been doing the last two yeah. years, which I don't like. Yeah, he's been spiteful. Yeah, he's made mm-hmm. he's made all he's made a lot of money, Phil Mickelson. He's made all his career on the PGA Tour, and he's rough run off into the distance and slated what's made him. And I always think that's a bad bad look. Never forget the people that you leave behind. Yeah, I think agree. that's important. Correct. Um, and I, I have you have you got any favors? <clears throat> Sorry, Bryce, have you got any nominees for Dickhead of the Year that we haven't mentioned there? Dickhead of the Year? I'm sitting right here, man. <laughs> well, me. <laughs> It'd be hard to go past Phil Mickelson. I don't think yeah. he's... I don't think his behaviour is great. It's, I mean, it's it little things as like, well, doesn't it? Because, I mean, we were Phil fans. And yeah, he's, cha- yeah. He's, he's changed the whole argument about living. I mean, he started complaining that PGA Tour and little things like the PGA Tour are making money off their YouTube page and we don't get that money. And you think, look, you, you're there to win golf tournaments. Yep. You get paid to win golf tournaments. Whether it's a member organisation or not, you're not meant to phone up the guy that's in charge who's leading that whole tournament, that whole tour, and go, by the way... Can we get a cut of the YouTube money? Like, there's people that work at the PG Tour that need to get paid. They've got a yeah. lot of staff. It's not like, you don't just walk off with everything. So I think he's at fault for all the shit that we are going through right now in the game. And so, the high temperature in the game as yeah, well. Yeah, so... I think yeah. you look at a lot of the other guys that have joined Live. you forget Mark Leishman plays there now. Do you know yeah. why you forget? It's because he's just gone and he's just playing golf. Yeah, he's just the his mouth shut. Same as Cam Smith. Yeah. But Phil went and made... Mouthed off. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. he has raised. I I genuinely think that a lot of the spite, the vindictiveness, and yes, the the live bots that say the crazy shit. I think Phil's heavily heavily yeah. responsible for that. So, ultimate winner, dickhead of the year, and that was a review of the year. Should add, there's a few honourable mentions at the bottom there. We we can't ignore Michael Block for whatever that. We don't have categories for it, but <sighs> moment of the year or something less shit than that. But Michael Block gave us. Some pretty cool moments. And the next honourable mention is Brian Harmon ruining the Open. In a nice way, because he was so good. Well, we'll come to that in a minute, I think. <laughs> Bryson DeChambeau's 58. Unbelievable. Round Amazing. Yep. Yeah. And uh, Sig- Carlotta Saganda at the Sawheim Cup. I have honestly not seen a shot like that. And we all know the one I'm talking about. Under that much pressure. Shots, I would have shots, to say, down the actually, stretch. Yeah, yeah, good point. That was as good golf under that amount of pressure as I have ever seen. And I think that's the thing. If you if you're not if you're not that interested in women's golf or whatever, you didn't watch it. You need to start watching it because the Sawheim Cup was absolutely brilliant. I wish they had more crowds. Yeah, there's something that happened there. I don't know what why it wasn't as busy as it should have been. <laughs> but the crowds that that were there got a real treat. Don't forget. US were four 0 up on the Friday, as you rightly point out mm-hmm. here in the notes. At all, I had almost forgotten that. Mm-hmm. Amazing, four 0 up and lost fourteen all. <laughs> 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 oh my God, McKeon, you're in form today. It's like right. when we beat England nil nil. Yeah, we Euros. pumped them in that game. Yeah. Right, so it's the what section is this? Honesty box section, Michael. Style out, going very well. Keep going, you're almost there. We put something out on social the other day to um, nominate some honesty box questions and uh, we've had quite a few entries. Shall we go through them? Let's batter on. Let's get through as many as we can. Right, brilliant. Here's one from our pal, Sean Bissett. Would you rather, A, watch every shot of a live golf season? Season? Fucking hell, it's a long time. 
Or B, ask for iron covers and a white belt for Christmas. Must be used for a season. <laughs> <laughs> that's not even a question. It's A. Yeah. Listen, I, I have nothing against live. And see if it was on TV. I And I was able to just take the doofer and press in four or whatever. I would watch it. It's the fact that it's not that easy to watch. That's the, that's the only reason I don't tune into more. So, yeah, I'd much sooner watch that than debase myself with the iron yeah. covers and a white belt. Yeah. Here's one from Andrew Hunter. Every, by the way, he says every time Michael mentions Augusta, he's got to do a shot. By the way, it was me that mentioned Augusta, not not Michael. So fine by uh, me. Augusta, Augusta, Augusta. But his question: Rack is, him up, Barman. If you could do, <laughs> if you could undo anything that happened, that's a good question, Andrew. If you could undo anything that happened in golf this year, what would it be? Oh, that is a really good question. Oh, I've already got the answer. Go for it. Having to witness that photo of Michael and the Guardians, no. probably. <laughs> the weather at Hoylake. Yeah. I think the yeah. weather at Hoylake spoiled a potential of an amazing week. I think we would have seen carnage on that golf course, but the weather, this is the problem, the weather really, really, really affects an Open Championship and how it plays out. And I thought that, I felt sorry for Hoylake because I really liked the golf course. And despite the, the new hole that a lot of people hated, you didn't really get the benefit of that hole because it was just mega soft. And it's miserable watching an Open Championship yeah. when it's cold. I was there that week. It was Baltic. Mm -hmm. And that's not an Open that I want to remember. Sorry, Brian. And then he went home and shot every animal in sight. So. <laughs> just celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> Took his machine gun out and just fired them off at elk. <laughs> this is taking a turn. Yeah. Sorry oh, about that. Oh, God. So that's what we'll undo there, unless anyone's getting anything else they want to say. No, no, no you're with that. Tremendous answer. Here's one. I love how he's called Andrew Hunter as well. Yeah. Hunter! Oh. Absolutely <laughs> brilliant. Brian like that. There's another one, the Jackal. <laughs> uh, right, put you on the spot, lads. Two hundred million pounds each. Would you go to live? Yes. Yes. <laughs> of course. Do what? <laughs> Who cares? It's two hundred million. I mean that's that's a bit of an open ended question. Uh, by the way, I thought that said 200 each. I didn't see the M after the 200, so I'm still guess. <laughs> uh, is it to be, what, uh, a journalist for them? Am I getting to play my level of golf? Am I cooking <laughs> Greg Norman's curries on a Tuesday night? If it is, I am there. 200 million, yes. Absolutely. No brainer. 200 million. Sorry, Bunkered. See you later. <laughs> That'll be fine. I'll give them 10 million. Here's one from TPC Balfron. What's the three favourite golf courses you've played? They want, they want us to say Balfron. <laughs> uh, and Michael isn't allowed to talk about bloody Augusta oh, again. <laughs> can I point out something here? I haven't said a word about Augusta. It's a review of the year that's been going on for, what, two hours? Right, like, I've not said a word about Augusta. About Jesus Christ, stop going on about it. Right, it's obviously not this year because I only played about 60 holes of <laughs> golf this year, point. so it's not this year. <laughs> so my three... Alex, Hugo, what's your three favourite courses you've ever played? So I have to say the old course. It's a really boring answer, but I've played it two or three times and it has not lost its magic at any point. There's just obviously something about that place that I'm sure resonates with a lot of people listening. Uh, I have to give a shout out to my home course, Bude, because ah, that's absolutely... You... Imagine talking about Augusta the way you talk about it and talking about Balfron the way you guys talk about TPC it and then Balfron, getting annoyed at me. Show some fucking respect. 
My home course of Bude, my happy place. Uh, I know that when I'm playing there, that means I'm on holiday. What's and the third friends one now? and family. <laughs> What's the third what is, one you said that? I haven't got a third one now. Um, okay, I'll move oh, on. God. What's uh, your place? Carnoustie Championship. I think Carnoustie Championship yeah, is the finest 18 holes in this country, and it's immense. I love every bit about it, especially the chaos. It's not as chaotic as some people mm. say, and if you hit the ball at me, it can benefit you. TPC Scottsdale. Had a right good laugh at TPC Scottsdale. It's funny, I think I could name you, th- or describe for you three holes there, and it's the last three. Yeah, well, I know more about the game, so that's fine. One to 15, um, I couldn't tell you what the like. <laughs> <laughs> Let me guess, there's cacti. Yes, yeah. I, 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 I was amongst the best, most fun I've ever had in a golf course, because of the people I was playing with. And Crail, because Crail, oh, yeah. go up to Crail on a Saturday night, Did if you you're from? coming off in the summertime, coming off Crail at eight or nine at night. Just, where would you rather be? It's immense. I'll go with Carnegie Links at Skibo Castle. It's a rare treat. Fun. Unbelievable. I would also put Castle Stewart into that mix just because I love it up that part of the world. That's Man of the from. people, you, eh? Big time. And yeah, <laughs> going to look stupid now. Dunbar. Okay, nice. Lots of fun. Good. So yeah, you've got ultra exclusive. You're never going to play it. Pretty expensive. You might not play it. And yeah, Go and play it because you could afford it. Okay. Another one from Alan Smith. Alan with two L's. And we were, what was this we were saying about there's no famous Alans in golf? Yeah. Apart from Alan Robertson, who was the world's first famous. professional. Whilst <laughs> 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 you But there are no famous Alans you know in what? golf. Like I'm Alan's, just, when I'm, was the last time an Alan won a PGA Tour event? Hasn't Alan ever won? Alan Doyle. I Alan think. Doyle. Who's so, he? I'm looking it up just now. So, does Steve Allen count? You've got Alan Cooper. So that's with two L's. One L, Alan, you have Alan Wagner, Alan Patterson. But did they Alan win PG2 events? Hmm. I don't think see. an Alan has ever won a PG2 event. Alan Doyle is an American professional golfer. Though a talented golfer, Doyle elected not to turn pro after death. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Although a talented oh, golfer, he, Alan was shit. He won in the Champions Tour 11 times. That's not a PGA Tour event. It's so PGA There's Tour a Champions. fact. There, there's an Alan. He won the US Senior Open twice. It's not a PGA Tour and event. And the PGA Seniors. It's not a PGA Tour event. If you're, a, if you're a golfer out there and you're called Alan, nail luck. <laughs> so thanks for this, Alan Smith. If but you, you could, could create grant, history. Yeah, you could, yeah. It's unlikely you will. If she could grant the wish of allowing a shot to be played again, what would it be and what would the outcome be? I know uh, this. McRoy, 2011 Masters. Off the... Uh, 2011 Masters? Off the tee, Off yeah, the tee at the 10th. Where he smacked yeah. into the houses. I think about that at least once that, every that, three that weeks. Shot, if you stand on that tee, that shot went about 70 yards, didn't it? It's. Uh, I was at Augusta for the first time this year and I just remember going down there and thinking... I how don't think I could put. There? I don't think I could put it in there if I tried. Yeah. Like, how did he hit Alex, it there? It's just astonishing. Alex Michaels get that face on him. He's just like, oh, I've stood in that too. Yeah, actually. Well, I've actually. actually that one was there. I, I did up, think right? that next, that next, next. Tea, and I hit that shot. <laughs> God. Into the same place. Uh, I think I'm. I've got the answer that everyone's got, and there's no. There's no doubt. About there's this. no doubt about it. It is Mr. Tom Watson on the 18th oh, yeah. at the Elsa, 2009. I've said this a million times. If that ball had just bounced five, ten yards before the green, rolled up to ten feet, we'd be looking at history. Phil wouldn't have made history. Phil wouldn't have made history. Be the second um, oldest. Stuart Sink would be 
not Stuart Sink that we know now. His July's would be very different, wouldn't yeah, they? Yeah, very different. He'd be in a boat somewhere <laughs> with a hat on. And it I think I think I would have potentially cried yeah. if he'd won that. Anyone who's interviewed Tom Watson, been in his company or knows him well or doesn't even know him that well and has just followed him knows he's the one of the nicest guys in the world. It would have changed the course of the game for mm -hmm. a good 12 months. It would have been absolutely amazing. Plus, he'd earned a five-year exemption in all the majors. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just utterly insane. There's a point. Which is, maybe at that time it was still 65, but let's say the exemption was 60. Would he, would, would he have been able to carry on playing in the Open for another... Five. five. He would have yeah, ten, of course he would. ten he would years have for the Open. Yeah. Ten he could years have been for the Open, five for the rest. Yeah. So feasibly, he could have been the oldest player ever to have played in the Open. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh. Bear in what mind, the guy's now, the guy, or he was for, I don't know if he's coming up this year, but he was like an honorary starter. Mm -hmm. And yep. he would have finished, he would have become an honorary starter at Augusta, having just finished his exemption <laughs> in the Open. <laughs> As a champion. <laughs> it's madness. And uh, I just, if I could go back in time, that's what I would do. It's without doubt that honorary mention for Monty at winged foot as well in 2006, his second shot there. So, last question from Craig. Is it Mikkel? Out of all the bunkered crew, who would not stump up for the bottle for a hole-in-one? Well, there's two things here because... Any of the Scots. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa! Bit of casual racism on the podcast. We love it. <laughs> wow. So two things. There's there's is a this is a paradoxical answer here because Michael Michael bought everyone a drink at the bunkered Christmas night out because he's a nice guy and because he's basically thanking everyone for the support because Michael won two awards at uh, recent uh, PP awards. So good for him. However, he's so shit at golf, he would never get a hole in one. <laughs> and has never had a hole in one. And will most likely never get a hole in one. So he don't need to worry about it. Came close on the 12th of Augusta. Who would not stump up? I would probably say... Is it just out of the three of us? Because no, surely we're going to just start saying names that people don't know. So yeah. surely it doesn't... Well, who would actually, be the least likely out of the three of us? Most people who follow us or like Bunker would know this name. And that's James Tate. I reckon that James, obviously world long drive professional... Etc. He's our gear editor. I think if James had a hole in one, he would understand that the right thing to do would be to get a bottle and place it in the bar. But James doesn't follow etiquette very well. This no. is a guy who cuts about in joggers. He is a, <laughs> was, approaching, a he's approaching middle age. Yeah, Let's be honest. Backwards hat all and wears the a time. backwards cap. He yeah. wears a cap indoors back to front. So I think etiquette as a concept. And frankly, as a word, is something that's lost yeah. on James. So I think I would say him for that Potentially, reason. yeah. And James has invited us to play the old course countless times, but never actually goes through with the formal invite. Correct. So we never get to play the golf course. Oh, yeah, I'd love you to come and play oh, the Oh, yeah, it'd be course. great. Yeah, why don't you come up here with me and Dad and it'll be great. <laughs> never happens. Never happens. That's it. So listen, I think, uh, you know what? Fuck it, Alex. Because <laughs> he's English. Yeah, well, that... I, I didn't see him put his hand in his pocket at the staff night out I last week, really. did you? I, I, bought, uh, I bought a round. I don't think he bought me one. I didn't get a drink. On you and I were on different sides of the party. I was I was with the cool... You were, you were sort of sitting with the cool <laughs> guy, you? It's like that, is it? What's your step there, Perry? Right. On that note, 
that is it for us in 2023. I can't believe we've said that, but there will What's not be another podcast <laughs> for about three weeks. We're taking some time off. I think you can all agree that I absolutely smashed the hosting of this. There is no doubt about Fair it. Fair play. Uh, did well. This will not be the last time I do this. I'll probably make it sort of a once a month thing now because it's going so well. Uh, but before we go, I want to say thank you to our headline sponsor, Callaway Golf. They've been amazing. Thank you, Callaway. Uh, great to work with. We're working with them again next year. We're going to bring you more content. Thank you for all your support. As I said earlier, please give us a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Give us five stars. If you give us one, I will hunt you down. Okay? <laughs> but until next year, have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We'll see you in 2024, people. Bye-bye.